MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 25th, 2019. Today, impeachment hearings wrap up in the Intelligence Committee. Where we go from here, Trump's impeachment defense, FOIA documents tie Giuliani to Nunes and Pompeo in the Ukraine scandal, Bloomberg joins the race, and Bolton is back on Twitter. Yay. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Excellent. I had a nice weekend. Nice. Um... Mostly chores and just puttering around the house pretty much, Mm -hmm. but got some good sleep and good rest. Yeah, same. I have been like trying to get my mental health back in order after a tough couple of weeks. So shout out to you guys if you also feel that. Um, But Disney Plus, that (laughs) shit has really helped. I have like basically been watching nothing but children's content for three days and it's really helped my mental health i watched so many of my favorite movies from childhood and it just has like lifted my mood immeasurably did you see bed knobs and broomsticks i did see bed knobs and broomsticks I, I you might I watch some of the, the mid 90s animated classics that was mm-hmm. good too little mermaid yeah i did watch a little mermaid i watched a little pocahontas which oh god that's so problematic but it's still a good movie <laughs> yeah ryan yeah. has been really into all the old like you know the baseball movies of like Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid that has like the fucked up arm that makes him like throw really fast. It's like rookie <laughs> oh, of the year. Oh, Angels in the Outfield or something? No, no this is not year. rookie of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's like real into that shit. Yeah, I watched yeah, Gus, which adorable. is a movie uh, about a, a, a donkey that plays football. I remember it from grade school. Used to watch that and then go out to the bookmobile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember those days. Also, Frozen. My wife watched Frozen for the first time. Oh, yeah. do you which, know that there's a second one? I do. Which, like, to be honest with you, the plot. But the songs are great yeah. and the visuals are great. Yeah, it's I, not one of my favorites, but it's it's pretty cute. Yeah. Speaking of great movies, I like that little uh, Olaf guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, the Peanut Butter Falcon, Shia LaBeouf's new movie. Oh, I think you posted oh. about that. I think I saw you said it it's was awesome. So good. I have such a crush on him, but he seems so crazy. He but will I also have, have the biggest crush on, crush on him after this movie. Sorry he is so like crazy. he is so like just a great fucking person in this movie. Peanut Butter what? Peanut Butter Falcon. It's about um, it's about a boy with Down syndrome who is like escapes basically from this home that he's just not fulfilled in at all, and Shia finds him and they wind up doing like a road trip on foot together sort of thing, and it's just like it's just such an incredible movie. Okay, yeah. is it it's out now? It's like a new. It is. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in theaters, cool. but you can rent it. I see. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, we'll check it out. Yeah. That is our self-care portion of <laughs> the podcast. And now to the uh, news, which, by the way, used to be extremely and excruciatingly depressing, but it's starting to pick up uh, and become a very, <laughs> very uh, uh, satisfying. So uh, let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The first thing I wanted to cover is this thread um, Seth Abramson put out this morning, breaking down a top Trump ally, John Kennedy, revealing Trump's impeachment defense, probably on accident, to Fox. Uh, With his experience uh, as a defense attorney, Seth first discusses how to even begin to think about crafting a defense for the indefensible, essentially an unwinnable criminal investigation. Uh, He says Americans are being told on television that Trump has no defense and that's patently false. 
Uh, I agree with Seth there, and I have posited that they have several defenses, such as saying Trump did these things, but they aren't impeachable, or that he did not have corrupt intent. I do not believe those things to be true, but they are nonetheless defenses. And Seth says uh, he actually has a very viable defense, uh, Trump does, and it was revealed, like I said, on Fox News by Senator John Kennedy. He's such a, uh, that guy, really, really dumb guy. Uh, But here it is. For Trump to be authorized to withhold military aid, he does not need to be correct in his belief that Ukraine aided Clinton. He only has to show there's some evidence of that. It was never investigated, and he consistently has been worried about it. Um, Knowing uh, that... It's important that the media debunk this defense conclusively before it hits the public. That's why I'm here talking about it. And to that end, here is a list of things Trump does not want you to know as he preps this defense for the public, for public consumption. And it's why I'm covering it. It's why we're covering it here in the lead in today's episode. First, uh, Trump's candidacy was endorsed by a ton of countries, including publicly and formally uh, from Hungary and the Czech Republic, and then implicitly by Russia, North Korea and Egypt and high level authorities from France, the Netherlands, Israel and more. And this matters because this new defense hinges on the idea that any public statement of support for Clinton by Ukraine will legitimize his defense. So Trump will focus on pro-Clinton anti-Trump comments from Ukrainian officials saying that he thinks foreign endorsements are corrupt particularly foreign endorsements of Clinton, despite him getting all those endorsements we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Also, it makes sense Ukraine would support Clinton because Trump was trying to take lethal aid language out of the Republican platform and campaigned on it and said Russia should face no punishment for their invasion of Ukraine. So it makes sense that Ukraine might be like, oh, we like like Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's amazing that every Ukrainian politician didn't come out publicly to support Clinton after that, though they did not. It was just, it was a few. Um, Further, Trump says that um, uh, not only did these Ukrainians, he will say that not only did the Ukrainians come out publicly for Clinton, and that's bad and corrupt, uh, he will say they actually helped her by passing information to the DNC through Alexander Chalupa. Chalupa was a well-paid DNC consultant who was secretly passing information from Ukrainian nationals to the DNC, but her work was about Manafort, Mm -hmm. not Trump. And she'd been investigating Manafort for free, pro bono, since way before Trump announced his candidacy for uh, office of the president. So uh, the DNC never asked her to get the info and never used it in its materials. And it's it's unclear that uh, any information the embassy gave to Chalupa wasn't also given to reporters publicly. And Chalupa stopped working for the DNC in June of 2016 before Trump was even the nominee. So that's right there is a a defense. You know, Chalupa Mm -hmm. stopped working for the DNC before Trump was even a nominee. Not to mention, Manafort's activities in Ukraine had nothing to do with Trump, according to Trump. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Remember that whole, hey, they're getting him for tax stuff from way before he worked for me. This is Ukrainian stuff. This is before I was even there. He said it a million times during Manafort's trial. So why would he care if Chalupa helped expose them? Uh, least of all, Manafort was found guilty uh, and Trump fired him <laughs> when the Ukraine connection came out in public. So, you know, when you hear Chalupa was looking into Manafort, your response could be that she stopped working with the DNC before Trump announced before Trump was uh, the candidate, before he was, uh, you know, won the primary. Uh, but Trump said Manafort's Ukraine activities, which he's in jail for now, had nothing to do with Trump. In fact, you could say Chalupa helped Trump by aiding him in removing a criminal from his campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which could have hurt him, damaged him. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth, Seth believes, that's from the back from uh, Abramson's thread here, that Trump will say Black Ledger was forged by the Ukrainians to help Clinton win the White House. This is refuted by the fact that, one, Manafort's in prison for that shit. Two, there's no evidence of a forgery. And three, Russia did far worse to help Trump. Um, So there's your three arguments there. Trump uh, will also lean on the old Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world 
uh, trope, and he he uh, always thought they needed investigating and was justifiably upset. Um, that's why he withheld the aid. That's what he'll say. Trump will also try to conflate the crowd strike conspiracy with the Chalupa evidence to pretend they're the same thing. They are not. And of course, none of this defends against offering a White House meeting or Pence's present at the presence at the Zelensky inaugural or trade considerations in exchange for investigations. That's just for the military aid stuff. In a letter Friday from Rudy Giuliani to Lindsey Graham in the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, that was released on November that was written on November 22nd, says they need to look into Ukraine supporting Hillary and says there are at least three witnesses with direct evidence of the Democrat criminal conspiracy with Ukrainians to prevent Donald Trump from being president with the alternative to remove him from office based on contrived charges. He says he's got these three friends, but the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine is refusing to grant them visas so that they can come testify. He'll provide the names to Lindsey Graham. He says, I'll give those names to you. And in other big weekend news, new documents reveal Pompeo's role in this whole thing. The documents were released late Friday from a FOIA lawsuit from watchdog group American Oversight, and they indicate that in emails, uh, Pompeo spoke at least twice by phone with Giuliani in March, and Giuliani was urging... Uh, this is when Giuliani was urging uh, Ukraine to investigate the Bidens and running the smear campaign against mm-hmm. Yovanovitch. A month later, Pompeo ordered her removal mm-hmm. or t- to be recalled. The documents also show the State Department sent a member of Congress a deliberately misleading message about Yovanovitch's department after they asked about pressure on her. These documents put Pompeo right in the middle of the efforts by Trump and Giuliani to pressure the Ukrainians to announce investigations into the Bidens and the crowd strike thing. Uh, This release comes as Pompeo continues to refuse to hand over State Department documents to the impeachment inquiry. But now we have a clear paper trail from Giuliani to Pompeo to facilitate the smear campaign against Yovanovitch. And the documents also bolster testimony from Sundland that that Pompeo had full knowledge of the campaign and even approved certain tactics. The emails also show Pompeo was scheduled to call Nunes just a few days after he spoke to Giuliani. And the documents include the memos of claims made by a pair of Ukrainian prosecutors that Giuliani sent to Pompeo in that calligraphy parchment envelope containing the Trump Hotel branded folders, that that whole thing that they called a big meeting to discuss. Uh, And the memos show that Parnas and Fruman were in the interviews conducted by Giuliani. And both of them are now indicted, as we know. And speaking of Parnas, um, what did we learn from the Daily Beast this weekend? Jordan. Uh, yes. So because this is great. Yes, it really is. The, and the Daily Beast, by the way, is just like fucking killing it. Killing it. Yeah. Politico and the Daily Beast right now are just bazinga. Yeah, <laughs> bazinga. Uh, so reporting by the Daily Beast is showing that Lev Parnas was present at a meeting earlier this year between Giuliani and Zelensky aide Andrei Yermak that took place in Madrid. Mm. Uh, Giuliani introduced him as his associate slash colleague and probably said his name, but I didn't remember it and remembered again when I saw Lev Parnas's face on TV and thought that this face looks familiar. So that's a statement from Yermak to the Daily Beast. Uh, goes on to say, but we didn't have a conversation. I only spoke to Giuliani. And Parnas' attorney has confirmed that he was, in fact, at that meeting. So it is not hearsay that 100% happened. He was there. So I think that we really just need to hear from Parnas. And I hope that the Democrats call him. I think, do you think they'll call him as a witness in the Senate? I don't know. He's depending on if it, because this is like more In the Giuliani. Senate trial? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I guess it depends. It de- they haven't really talked about Giuliani as much as I would expect them to, considering what a crux he was. The Republicans might, just because he's such a crappy witness. Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, if he was there, though, I would think he could provide testimony on exactly what Giuliani was saying. 
Yeah, and, and not to mention, he's also been subpoenaed, and this is in the House, right. uh, for his documentation, his documentary evidence showing these connections. So it's like kind of like a, a Rick Gates scenario mm-hmm. where in the Manafort trial, they didn't believe him, but the juror, you know, they're like, that guy's a piece of shit, criminal, yeah. asshole, wife, cheater, fuckface. But what he did come along with wasn't just his testimony, it was all the documentation to back it up, and the jurors were like, that's what we convicted Manafort on, was this right. documentary evidence. Yeah, so I guess unless they were actually recording the conversation or something, or there were notes taken that maybe they could provide, then maybe it wouldn't actually be but the worth... Lo- Sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, the the Parnas's lawyer said they do have text messages and, and other documentary evidence. Totally. I don't know if that from means other... a recording or whatever. But yeah, yeah, just from their various... Because obviously it wasn't just this one. <laughs> no, right? yeah. But um, but I, his attorney said uh, Mr. Parnas traveled to Madrid to meet Rudolf Giuliani, where he attended Rudolf's meeting. <laughs> Why is that funny? Rudolph. I don't know, because it's like, we never hear him referred to as Rudolph. Kaludolf <laughs> Rudolf. Yeah. <laughs> um, for where he attended Rudolf's meeting with Zelensky aide Andrew Yermak and witnessed Rudolph pressuring Yermak on behalf of President Trump to compel Zelensky to announce that his administration was launching a corrupt investigation into Joe and Hunter Biden and alleged Ukrainian meddling in the 2016 election. Mm. So that was a statement from his attorney. And that's that's like, I mean, what? That's like the most damning sentence you could get, right? <laughs> Where he attended his, his meeting and uh, pressuring Yermak on behalf of President Trump to compel Zelensky to announce these things. So... That's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. And of course, what Swalwell brought up in the impeachment inquiry Mm -hmm. uh, about Nunes and how he's a fact witness now. And if this, you know, if this is true, this is bad Mm -hmm. news, Uh, not just this meeting in in Madrid, but he was specifically talking about, um, I think it was another Daily Beast article, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? It was another Daily Beast article. Yeah. Um, Nunes, the Vienna meeting in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. With Shokin. Yeah. That was the the reporting. Yeah. That's right. That's Swalwell wanted to put into the record. Yeah. Show On talks, taxpayers. <laughs> taxpayers won't love it. <laughs> They'll come the West Coast elite. It's getting to me. <laughs> taxpayers. <laughs> the taxpayers. Uh, but on the tax dollars dime is is what I was saying. Is that Nunez and company uh, trip over there over sixty thousand dollars? That was that we paid for. Yep. So there you go. Great. Uh, all Thanks, right. Well, yeah, like great. Not great. Like no, no, totally. Yeah, no, no. You're awesome. No, no worries. Nunez is. Please. He's in trouble. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, we've got a lot more news to get to, so stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Rothy's Shoes. I'm obsessed with these shoes, my new favorite shoes. They are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish, comfortable shoes that are carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials in their own manufacturing workshop, where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. From their signature thread made from plastic water bottles to their bio-based algae insoles, Rothy's chooses each material carefully to make shoes that are sustainable, fully machine washable, and the most comfortable shoes in your closet. The seamless design makes them super comfy right out of the box. Zero break-in period in Involved. I have three pairs. I have the low for the point and the flat. I have them all in black, and I absolutely love all three. They're slip-on, they're breathable, incredibly versatile. They pack and travel well. Uh, they come in a wide range of styles, and they launch new patterns and colors every week. My current favorite is the Merino Square Loafer in the chestnut check pattern. It's really awesome. They are fun to wear and fun to say. Wait, let me slip on my chestnut check loafs. <laughs> to me, the coolest thing about these shoes is that they're made of recycled water bottles, and to date, Rothy's has kept over 35 million plastic bottles out of, out of oceans and landfills. 
Rothy's has over a thousand nearly perfect reviews online, and BuzzFeed recently called them their forever shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. No risks, no worries, no reason not to try them out. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash ag. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash ag and get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are great shoes. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. So head to rothys.com slash ag today. All right. Welcome back. Uh, I wanted to touch on this interesting report from Talking Points Memo about why the Democrats seem to be rushing impeachment. Uh, We know that they don't want to wait for the courts to compel top witnesses to testify. That could take months. So they seem to be ending the Ukraine portion uh, of the investigation and moving towards articles to include obstruction of Congress rather than battle to, to get testimony from like Pompeo and Bolton and Perry and Mick Mulvaney. Uh, But Josh Marshall put it up piece in Talking Points Memo with a possible explanation as to why these Democrats are so willing to just get to the Senate trial. Uh, The Senate trial will be overseen, as we know, by Chief Justice John Roberts. And under the Senate impeachment rules, House managers can issue subpoenas to anyone, presumably Bolton and Perry and Pompeo and Mulvaney. Uh, A senator could object, but Rule 7 provides that a ruling on such a question has to be made by the Chief Justice unless he refers it to a full Senate vote. Senate, Senate vote. <laughs> the Senate is so very good. Uh, so he can decide on items such as uh, executive privilege, um, whether the crime fraud exception or co-conspirator exception to the hearsay rule apply, or any waiver of privilege. Uh, he would also rule on subpoenas for documents, um, which we still have. We still been waiting for. Uh, so House managers can can subpoena those, and he can make that decision. The majority could vote against it, but Talking Points memo seems to think they would not. And only a handful of Republican senators would have to vote to uphold the chief justice's rulings. So by moving direct and we've got, as we know, you know, the three senators who just recently met at the White House with Trump. uh, Was it Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, um, who didn't get to get to go to that meeting? I think she just wanted to go home instead. And um, uh, Mitt Romney and and of course, Susan Collins Mm. as the third senator. Um, So they could it would only take a few. Uh, to to vote and say, no, you know, we want to hear from these witnesses. No, we want to see that documentary evidence before we just vote to, you know, acquit the guy without seeing all the relevant evidence, pertinent evidence, especially if somebody like Collins, who's in deep, deep trouble in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Romney, who just hates Trump. So by moving uh, directly to the trial, they're saying here that the Dems' best chance to keep their robust obstruction of Congress article intact and get testimony from these top advisors without having to wait for the courts is to do this through the Senate trial. And I think that's, they're saying that's why they're moving so fast to get to the Senate trial, the portion, this portion of it. On the topic of the concept of a trial in the Senate, I've been thinking, when you have a trial, it is usually like in a a court, right? It it is usually under this understanding that there's a crime that maybe was committed and maybe it wasn't. And the purpose of the trial is to determine if that, crime did or did not happen right but then in this they're calling it a trial but even if they find that the crime or impeachable offense did happen what do you do when they don't even agree on that being a crime or an impeachable offense can you how can you even call that a trial well i think it's just because it's impeachment there's just that's what the word is yeah Uh, because these are the jurors and there's a judge and a decision will be made yeah they aren't yeah they aren't here to determine if the crime was committed they could also say the crime was committed uh but it's not an impeachable offense yeah i'm just wondering like how chief justice is even gonna frame the the onset of all of this you know well like like, what purpose are we even here for just to 
come up with maybe this thing did or did not happen and then what the senate republicans still don't give a shit yes yeah <laughs> i mean go back and watch the clinton impeachment because they were there it, it, he lied uh he obstructed that was proven mm-hmm. but they said it's not an impeachable offense mm-hmm. and they acquitted him yeah so it's kind of like the along the same line so um, I'm actually uh, gonna go watch um, the impeachment of Clinton to kind of get my whistle wet, get my cockles ready <laughs> for for what the impeachment trial is gonna look like. Yeah. Um, and you know, also d- Democrats have other political considerations, which I think should never come into the lexicon of why you're deciding to impeach a president. Mm-hmm. But that you know, there's a bunch of senators running for president that will have to be in this in this Senate trial and won't be on the road campaigning. Oh, no. Um, yeah. You know, like, but wouldn't being on TV in an impeachment trial asking pertinent questions of witnesses in a Senate trial be a really great boost to your campaign? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Very interesting. And um, Bolton tweeted this weekend. <laughs> Breaking his silence on Twitter. Glad to be back on Twitter after more than two months. For the backstory, stay tuned, he says. Claiming later the White House wouldn't let him tweet, but he won the battle and got back his Twitter account. Quote, we have now liberated the Twitter account previously suppressed unfairly in the aftermath of my resignation at NSA National Security Administration. Uh, more as, as the National Security Advisor. More to come. Uh, Bolton says the White House attached software to his Twitter account and wouldn't give it back. <laughs> that's, that's the way... That's the way a boomer would say it. <laughs> they attached software to his Twitter account and wouldn't give it back to him. <laughs> so Bolton went on Twitter uh, and, and they gave him back to him. They went to, He went through Twitter. Trump denied freezing the account, of course. So you were talking about that, Jordan, in the Mueller She Read episode that, uh, that came out yesterday about uh, Trump's interview on Fox and Friends. Uh, of course, Bolton hasn't said anything about the Ukraine impeachment hearing. Uh, and as we know... He does have a lot of information. I assume he's ju- he's not going to testify unless compelled by Chief Justice Roberts. And I'll save uh, and he might save that information for his book so he can make money at the expense of democracy. Awesome. I, I feel like he's only going to testify once. I don't know. X number of people have pre-ordered his book. He's like, you want me to testify? All right. <laughs> One million of you have to pre-order my book and then I will. I'll just have the RNC buy a bunch. Yeah, can, yeah. Like, can we start like a like like some sort of like like fundraiser like to buy like we can raise enough money to get enough pre-orders of John Bolton's book so he'll testify. Yeah. No, I don't know that <laughs> unless he says he's going to do that, or if he testifies and then just to jog his memory every time he just brings up his book, shows the cover to the camera, and just slowly flips the pages. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, here. And I the other remember. thing we could do is just raise money to pay him to testify. Just be like, here's two million oh, bucks. Bro. Yo, your book testify. sucks. Please testify. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, just like whatever because i mean if he's not testifying so he can we, sell more books then mm-hmm. if then money is his motivation we'll just raise a shitload of money and pay we him should to also give him like 20 bucks to get a mustache trim no so. he won't ever he won't ever trim that no the unironic mustache <laughs> it is the spam of mustaches it's signature look it, yeah, it yeah is. fair enough that, that can be a thing jvn has a signature mustache oh yeah. john bolton has a signature mustache i mean i think jvn's is better but well, yeah, but but, we, but Bolton's not doing it. Bolton's is unironic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair it's, enough. He's like got a huge hipster mustache, but he doesn't mean to. He doesn't realize what he's got. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't realize what he's got. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea. Just a dick Yuppies with a mustache. would kill for Just, that mustache. Totally. Yeah. What'd you say? Yuppies would kill for that mustache. Yes. <sighs> I can't imagine what it's like not to be able to grow facial hair in the way that you want to. Oh, yeah. Ryan lives that life every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. He really wants like a full beard. 
really badly, but it just grows in super patchy. So all I can all I can have is just this little like mustache. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> That's one of those bio bonuses that you know you either have or you don't. Yeah, you have to deal with it in life. At least you have an option to grow facial hair and cover up whatever's wrong with your face that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have that. Our mm-hmm. face is it. It's out there. Oh yeah, here it is. I mean, uh, yeah. That uh, women's facial hair is a whole other conversation. But mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, re- we remove more hair than you think. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> we sure do. We're not, our faces are not. Always... I don't. That's one of my bio no? bonuses. I don't even really oh, do yeah. anything God to my eyebrows. You, AG. I have so many chin hairs. God, I have one. Same. I have one that's named Arthur. Mm-hmm. It just every once in a while just grows like an inch in a day, and I just have to. Pull I it out. Yeah. had one for the longest time. His name was Gary. Oh, Gary, cool. Yes. You name yours like too. We always yeah. name the men's names. <laughs> yeah, why is that? Well, yeah, but um, eventually because Gary multiplied. They're annoying, and we have to remove them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I have an army of Garys and um, <laughs> Gary. hair re- hair removal tools at my disposal. Yeah, I'm yeah. a I'm a ginger, as you all know, which means every hair that comes out of my body is red, and I have one black hair that I've called Black Beauty ever since I was <laughs> ever since I was like. 10 years old it's just like one black beauty where is it well okay i have to amend it it wasn't 10 it was more like 13 i see because it's a crotch hair all right (laughs) black beauty so actually i'm not gonna ask you that question i'm not gonna ask you about your pubic hair on air yeah actually i am are the rest of them red yeah 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 oh okay yep cool that's what I'm working yeah. with. Anyway, women are Anytime hearing. anyone is like, this is a carpet message. I'm like, why is this so salacious, dude? If I can look at my eyebrows, okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why? Why would it be different? Ginger binges unite. Yeah. All right. Time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right, this is my favorite this week. We got a little glimpse into the uh, Inspector General report that's going to come out of the Department of Justice. This is the thing that the Q people have been saying will, you know, implicate Obama and McCabe's going to go to Gitmo and Comey's guilty and they're all going to go down and we're going to be sorry because the indictments are going to start dropping hundreds of them, hundreds of indictments. So Susan Rice is going to be caught up in this. And Loretta Lynch, it's going to be, oh, they, they've been uh, twice. And no, uh, the IG report says uh, everything was uh, legal, very legal, very cool. And um, there was one mistake uh, that where a low-level um, FBI lawyer, lawyer uh, added a line to an email in a FISA warrant application for surveilling Carter Page. This was a renewal, not the initial FISA application, uh, but even though that extra line made it in there, it would not have made a difference. They still would have granted the FISA warrant, and it was very legal and very cool. <laughs> and, of course, all the Christopher Steele stuff, very legal and very cool. Uh, they also found out, um, determined that Mifsud is not a spy. They didn't uh, frame up Papadopoulos. Um, nothing was wrong with the origins, the oranges of the investigation, crossfire hurricane. Uh, so, uh, just, just a, <laughs> this just makes me so happy because, uh, it, it 
the, the, <laughs> the Q army is just so sad. That's really it, and that's what Schadenfreude—that's what Schadenfreude is all about. Hell yeah, it's going to come out before the Senate trial too. Yeah, it's going to come out December 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that they are going to have uh, Horowitz, the Inspector General for Department of Justice, testify to the Senate Judiciary Committee. I believe on December 11th to answer questions about his report. Both Democrats and Republicans get to answer to, to ask questions about that. Of course, the Democrats are going to. You know, hang on to the big picture findings, which is nothing was wrong with the investigation. Nothing was wrong with the FISA warrants. Everything's legal. Uh, everything was properly done. No bias there. What they did find uh, people who said biased things that were working on the investigation, but didn't impact their work at all. It wouldn't have changed at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, much like the Struck and Page uh, Inspector General report and the Comey Inspector General report, uh, they, you know, they they said some wrong things or they did some wrong stuff, but none of it is illegal. None of it's criminally prosecutable and everything is fine. Uh, and that's what that's what happened here. And then, of course, I, I think that um, actually I know that there was a criminal referral made about this Kleinsmith guy, the one who added that line to the email. Um, and that's what, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they're like, oh, the investigation, the investigations is criminal now. And that's why the Q people were like, Obama's going to jail. But it was just about this guy and his one line added to one email and a thousand page FISA application that was a renewal that, you know, was eventually signed off by Rod Rosenstein anyway and didn't affect the outcome or the, the FISA warrant that, you know, its credibility at all. So that's it. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just fantastic. And I'm excited. So. We'll, we'll look for that testimony. Uh, and, of course, the Republicans are going to find this guy altered documents in a FISA warrant. Oh, the whole thing. FBI should all go sink. We, we should sink the FBI. <laughs> so that's what's happening with that. Sweet. I Can't know. wait. I know. I'm very excited about that. And uh, finally, for today, let's get social. Hashtag. Hashtag today is hashtag, and I don't even know if this is trending. I'm going to check right now. If it's not, it should be. It's OK Bloomberg um, because he has officially joined the race. And I don't. Th- you have feelings. <laughs> You're heavily <laughs> sighing over here. <sighs> because here's my three things. Yeah, you go for it. First of all, because he because of his stop and frisk, which he apologized for. So therefore acknowledging he did it. Um, and thanks for the apology. That's great. I mean, not thank me, but you know, I'm not thankful. But he apologized for it. And so he's going to have a hard time getting the black and Latino vote for that, for that, um, you know, policy practice, yeah. and practice that, that he pushed. Uh, he's not going to get any progressive votes because he's a billionaire. Um, it's it's not a good thing to be a billionaire right now. And uh, he's he's just another old rich white dude, basically. So he's not going to get a lot of uh, millennial votes, I don't think, either. I don't think he connects at all with one of the one of the largest voting blocks in this country, which is which is the millennials. Mm-hmm. If we show up, you will. <laughs> yeah, you better. You, um, you better. I'm blaming you. I'm holding you specifically. Well, responsible. I personally can't vote, so I absolve myself of responsibility. No, nope, thank you. <laughs> no, no. It's your job as someone who can't vote to convince people that they should take advantage doing of their right to do my best. Do you guys, <laughs> I don't, doing I'm my best. I'm not holding you personally. No, but, responsible. but seriously, uh, why? Why has he joined this race? It's so <laughs> frustrating. And you know what? I feel like, look. Like, I do not hate Joe Biden. I think that there's a lot of great things about Joe Biden. But I think the fact that Joe Biden is not doing as well as a lot of people had hoped is part of the reason that Michael Bloomberg is in this race now, because there are a lot of people, and this is just true, who would rather a Joe Biden or Michael Bloomberg get elected to protect their Mm -hmm. wealth 
you can be a socially liberal rich person. There's a lot of you listening, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is so of course they don't want a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren presidency. And so that makes sense. And I also think that a lot of people think there's this issue of electability, which I'm not going to pretend yeah. I'm an expert on. But like uh, I, I it, the thing that stresses me out the most about Michael Bloomberg entering the race is that he's not accountable to anyone with no small dollar donations and no grassroots effort behind him. He's only accountable to himself, you know, and it's and it's frustrating. And I and what makes the campaigns of progressives who rely mostly on small dollar donations, what makes it more magical is they are actually they are beholden to the people donating to them. And that's powerful, I think, because it means there's a whole army of people behind them as opposed to just spending your own money mm-hmm. yeah, i agree i agree with that yeah i can see that yeah, yeah i think you know go ahead mm-hmm. yeah i definitely do think that it's it's them thinking biden is kind of fucking up and not doing nearly as well as he should be doing mm-hmm. which means the door is open for another more sort of biden-esque fella exactly yeah. an old white dude that people trust to maintain certain status for quo some reason well, because that's the thing. There are some people who just want to defeat Trump and recognize there are problems, but don't think there is essentially a need to overhaul certain things. Whereas yeah. the people, obviously, who are like more for the progressive candidates are like, we can't just beat Trump. We also have to overhaul a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. like seriously, radically. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how he does. Um, I'm not thrilled with mm-hmm. him entering the race. Yeah. On uh, Trump's Fox and Friends interview, I forgot to mention this on the Mueller Shirod episode, but he said that they asked him who they think is going to be his opponent. And he said if Biden can hold out mentally, that they think it will be Biden. <sighs> and if it's not Biden, then it's going to be Warren. And so who that's said where that? Trump. Oh. Trump said that on Fox and Friends. Interesting. Oh, yeah. in his uh, hour-long crazy he did, interview. He did, yeah. If you want more on that interview, J- Jordan does a great breakdown of like the entire interview in the uh, Mueller She Read episode this From week. From Sunday, yeah. Yes. I think this is going to give, like you said, E.G., like progressives are not going to go for Michael Bloomberg. And I actually think that in future debates, this is just going to give Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders like even more fuel to their fire, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. I think that their yeah, attacks the on billionaires is, is going to ramp up. Yeah. You know? Like, Sorry, that, I stood on you. No, it's okay. I was just saying this just... This yeah, just... kind of makes you wonder if like uh, if, if uh, Bernie was and Warren were like, please, dude, please join. Yeah, jump please in. join. Yeah, get into the ring, motherfucker. Mm, mm, <laughs> Excuse me. Doing that, doing that thing from the Matrix where, you know... Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm I'm doing something you can't see unless there was video in here. <laughs> yeah. So it's that come here, come here, uh, just kung g- fu fight thing. Give them more fodder. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean that is they can drive that point home with him on stage. So we'll see. That's very if you true. love Bloomberg, let us know why. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're down to hear all sorts yeah. of uh, opinions on this. Um, and uh, hashtag OK Bloomberg is not trending. Uh, but I just decided it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's Sunday when we when we look at the hashtag. I usually look at the Saturday's hashtags because Sunday it's mostly football games that are never trending. Um, I do find it frustrating when someone like Cory Booker is having a hard time even staying on the debate stage, and now there's going to be Bloomberg coming in, having virtually like no work behind him on his campaign. And if there's a possibility that he can buy his way onto a debate stage, but Booker can't. That pisses me off. Yeah, and I did what you did. I I donated to Booker and, and Kamala to to help see if we could just keep them in the debate. Yes. Like, I think that the um at the very you know at the very least they 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 deserve to be on that stage at least more than Bloomberg or Steyer. Kamala or, should be like top four, top five. I'd say top five. I love Kamala. 
I do too. Yeah. Although I think I don't think Biden should even be in the top five. But, right. But just by virtue of him being Biden, he's going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> also, Maya Rudolph's Kamala is great. <laughs> so yeah. Good. <laughs> I remember um, from an earlier uh, episode, which just keeps turning around. She's like, "This week on USA." That's <laughs> mm, just so funny. Mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's our show. Anyone have any final thoughts? We got a big week coming up. Uh, it's going to probably be a little quieter, I think, maybe until um, mid December when we start getting all the IG reports, and and then of course, you know, we'll start seeing where I think they're going to go with with the impeachment. If the Dems are going to wait a second, which is what I would like them to do, and see mm. if they can get McGann's testimony. That decision comes today, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not he can testify, it will go. F- I hundred percent all my beans on McGann has to testify. Yeah. And that immunity is bullshit, that absolute blanket immunity that that Trump keeps doing. And that's going to have an impact on all the other hearings that they want uh, that that where this immunity has been asserted, including stuff in the Ukraine stuff with with Mulvaney and Perry and, you know, Bolton and all this absolute immunity bullshit. So Mm -hmm. that'll be that'll be over. And then, of course, we can wait for the Mueller grand jury materials that would take longer. But we do have the information that we need from the Stone trial that shows um, Mueller that shows Trump lied to Mueller. I think that should be an article, at least it mentioned in the articles. And yeah, we'll see if they wait a minute or just go full steam ahead to the Senate to try to get these testimonies that way uh, and, and and move move on with the elections. And then and then sometime in the spring, we're going to get all the tax documentation mm-hmm. and information. And that would just be used in the I guess in the election. We also have to get past the hurdle of passing the budget. Yeah. Uh, government shutdown looms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably going to that be the next big news cycle, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that'll be you're right. That'll be it. Now that we're on the impeachment sort of break while they're waiting for more information. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Any final thoughts for you? Yeah, kind of a random one, actually. I wanted to I mean, I, I'm sure this is somewhat of a PR stunt given um, everything that um, is happening with impeachment. But I, I did hear something about Bill Barr, which was not entirely negative. So I felt like it was fair to share that um, he announced um, a whole plan to address the crisis of um, murdered and missing indigenous um, people, because um, I think there are something like 10 times more indigenous people in the United States. And the same is true for Canada um, versus uh, uh, Caucasian people. Yeah, non-indigenous people. Um so yeah, I thought that was that was interesting, and um, when, whether, despite my feelings about uh, Bill Barr, I think this is this is great. I'm sure it doesn't go far enough, but yeah, I, I wonder where that's coming from. I, I yeah, I don't know, but anyway, I, it's it's a huge um, it, it's a huge issue and one I've been passionate about for a long, long time. Um, you know, ever since I studied, um, ever since my first year of university, when I realized the, the epidemic of m- murdered and missing mm-hmm. um, uh, Indigenous women and girls in Canada mm-hmm. and the U.S. And so um, I'm sure it doesn't go far enough, but that is something that Bill Barr is trying to do right now. Wow. Hmm. We'll have yeah. to read up on that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I know um, my sister going to school in Canada, First Nations studies mm-hmm. are just like similarly to your experience, it sounds yep. really a big part of their first year education. And she was telling me when I went to go visit her, they have displays and, and like educational materials all around the campus about it because I forget what it's called, but there's like a specific route. Highway of Tears. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's incredibly disgustingly common for people to, for women a lot, indigenous yeah. women to be kidnapped, raped, murdered. Yeah. I think it's, there's there's a huge gap between, um, uh, you know, wh- what the 
FBI works on um, in certain areas of the country versus other areas of the country and certain, you know, um, socioeconomic groups and other ones. Yeah. But anyway, it's just... I, despite my feelings about him, um, yeah, this is great news. I'm, and uh, there are people from different like tribal groups being like, this doesn't go anywhere near far enough, so don't mm-hmm. get excited. Mm-hmm. However, it's an issue that I'm really passionate about, so I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, and Thanks. in fact, if you would you do us a favor, look look it up, see what it's about, mm-hmm. um, and uh, maybe uh, on tomorrow's beans we can discuss a little bit more to see what maybe we think is missing. Um, maybe how it could be more complete, but at least talk about the initial plan or the initial policy and program that he's trying to put forward. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I'd be interested to learn to see. Yeah, do a little more research. Um, because I just don't trust that guy, and right. I'm like, where is this either. coming from? Right. Like, yeah, where is that's it coming why from? I was like, hmm. well, historically, white people, like white Republicans, always get like fussy when you bring up the like struggles of communities yeah, that are bustle and- not white. Yeah, and so. Especially given our country and the GOP's history of of profiting off of taking advantage of indigenous people, I'm uh, very curious to know what's in there and what would compel him to yeah. take this up. It would as a be cause. like if he all of a sudden had a plan to go after and look into the murder of black transgender women. Mm-hmm. Be like, where's that coming from? Because that's not your gig. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, let's let's look let's look into it and see, yeah. see what we come up with. Objectively, though, if if it is truly a win for the indigenous community, then that's really good. Obviously, apparently, well, I mean, again, I'll do more research into this. It's called the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Initiative, and um, the criticism that I've heard of it thus far, without doing a ton of research, is basically that it puts money into the investigation part of it, but not enough money into preventing people from being abducted in the first place. Okay. So anyway, yeah, I'll do some more research on that. But anyway, I just I that just cut, perked my ears up when I was just catching up on the news, just because it's an issue that I I care about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, well, that is the show, and I do not have any final thoughts other than to just have a wonderful, safe week, um, and please travel safely if you're traveling. Uh, and when you come in, if you if you're hosting Thanksgiving this year, change your Wi-Fi password to impeach forty five. <laughs> uh, to upset the uh, MAGA relatives you may or may not have. Uh, if you're going to their house, make sure to go into their television, use their parental controls and lock out Fox News and grab their devices and subscribe to Daily Beans and Muller She Wrote on their phones and, you know, other any other podcasts that... Uh, that you might think that they would uh, really, really be annoyed by, and that would just be fun. So those are my Thanksgiving pieces of advice. Uh, other than that, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.